This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. Can one successfully transition from a civil engineer to a human resources professional? The answer is yes. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and in this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, I'll be talking with Matthew Album. Matthew is a licensed professional engineer and a regional human resource manager at Dewberry. And he made a successful career transition from a civil engineer into HR management. In this episode, Matthew is going to share his journey and how he leveraged his engineering background to really excel in HR. And he really just gave great advice for any kind of career transition for engineers. I'm excited to bring this episode to you. Let's jump right in. Before we go on here, a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Simpson Strong Tie. Simpson Strong Tie is a building industry pioneer dedicated to helping people design and build safer, stronger homes, structures, and communities. Simpson Strong Tie is making a positive difference for their customers through expert engineering, world class test laboratories, and unrivaled technical support. We invite you to consider working alongside the many talented, passionate, and humble people who are all contributing to our shared mission in an environment that supports a healthy work life balance. It's a place where you can connect, create, and build a career. Visit strongtie.com forward slash careers to learn about our culture and why Simpson Strongtie employees are our most loyal customers. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'd like to welcome our guest on to the show today. Matthew Album is a licensed professional engineer. He's also a regional human resources manager at Dewberry. You don't often hear those two things together. Matt, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. No, we're happy to have you, Matt. And I met a few years back, I think at a conference I was doing uh, speaking or presentation for a Younger's member group. And Matt was kind of involved with the group and we went back and forth on it and we've stayed in touch. I saw him at another conference recently and that's when I learned that he had made a transition into HR, which I thought was really, really interesting from a civil engineer to a human resources professional and you know, asked him to come on to talk a little bit about that. So let's start there, Matt. Tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your journey from civil engineering into HR. What motivated you to make this transition? Take us through it. Yeah, I went to school for engineering. I always had that kind of interest in solving problems. So when I graduated, I started working. It became pretty evident to me that I liked what I was doing, but I needed to engage with people more. So I was trying to find ways to do that. And Throughout my kind of early journey as I was evolving as an engineer, I was always looking for opportunities to get more involved with people, whether that be through mentorship programs or ACEC or different professional societies. And for a while, that seemed to be kind of working. And at a certain point, I realized that in order for me to really kind of continue on that journey, I wanted to get more involved in management. So I actually went back to school and I got an engineering management degree, and that helped me elevate a little bit more into a, a management role. And it was through that experience that I really started to learn 
what I really enjoyed the most about working with people. And it was the development side. It was the problem solving, career planning, helping to mentor and guide people. And I think at a certain point, I just kind of started to realize that my favorite parts of what I was doing as a manager were probably more on the human resources side, the people problem solving side, the people management side than on the, the business side. And that's when I started evaluating options on the HR side of the house. And it kind of led me to evaluate different roles that I could get involved in. And thankfully, I'm grateful to Dewberry for the fact that they even gave me this opportunity to be able to make this transition. It was really through those early experiences, getting to know the HR team and go through some of these kind of, they're internal to Dewberry, but external to my role at the time initiatives that built those relationships. And then I was able to, through my journey, find out that was probably more what I was interested in. Pretty much just kind of being cognizant of it, career planning, having a, a focus helped me on my journey to identify that it was time to try something different. Just for some background for our audience. So Matt has a bachelor's degree in civil engineering. I believe you have a master's degree in structural engineering. And then you also have the master's degree in engineering and industrial management, as you mentioned. So in terms of timeline, Matt, how long were you practicing as an engineer before you decided to make the shift into HR? Obviously, I got my bachelor's degree and I went right into my master's. So I, I did that for about a year and I went to practice. I kind of went through the typical journey, I guess, maybe as an engineer moving towards manager. So I started as a junior engineer, kind of worked my way up, got a little bit more responsibility, started overseeing certain projects or aspects of projects that led more into kind of task management and ultimately project management. And probably about six or seven years into my journey is when I decided to go back and get that engineering management degree. I just, I felt like it was going to help. I feel like experience is incredibly important, but I like book learning. I, I don't like, I, I'd go to school forever if I could. So I really like the idea of getting more of a formal education in management. And that really helped me to better understand more of the business side of things. And it was probably about, like I said, six or seven years maybe a few years after that, I got promoted into like more of a true, I was an assistant department manager in the bridge group. And I did that for a few years. So I think it was about 13 years going from kind of junior engineer, senior engineer, the project manager to assistant department manager. And that was about the time that I transitioned into this new role. So when you went for that management degree, you kind of knew you wanted to get into management and that was going to help you. You just weren't quite sure you were going to end up in HR yet, right? Right. I knew I wasn't a typical engineer for sure. I, the things that motivated me the most probably weren't the same things that motivate. I mean, I don't know if there's any typical engineer, maybe that's the wrong way to put it, but motivate did a lot of my peers and a lot of the people that I was watching move up in the organization. They were driven by different things. And I kind of saw that as an advantage to me in the sense that, you know, being a little different in that case, I thought gave me a, a unique opportunity to lean into the stuff that I enjoyed and that I thought I was pretty good at. Like I said, it wasn't like an overnight thing. It was really this, this long evolving process through each step where the opportunities that I would engage in just kind of helped me to better understand myself and better understand what I was interested in and ultimately get me to this point. Like you said, you were a little bit different than your peers. So now fast forward, you're an HR professional. Obviously, you've got the engineering degrees and the engineering background and the engineering knowledge. Talk a little bit about what skills or experience from your engineering background, how you found that useful in your HR work. I probably 
leverage my past experience every day in this role. And I, when I was, I'll say interviewing, I didn't realize I was interviewing I was talking to my, my peers, but when I was interviewing, I think one of the things I started to realize about the other HR professionals in the group was that they were excited to have somebody with that kind of real life experience of the populations that we're serving. So when I'm in a conversation with a manager talking about a junior engineer, a project manager or a department manager, you know, I've kind of lived it. I've been through the trenches. So I have that hands-on experience to somewhat understand what they've been going through. And and furthermore, I've always been with Dewberry. I've only been with one company. So not only do I have the experiential knowledge of what it felt like to be a junior engineer wanting to get promoted or a, a senior engineer, a project manager, but I also know what it feels like at Dewberry. So I think in general, I probably, without even realizing it, I probably use it every single day. Every conversation I'm having, every interaction I'm having with a manager or with a, a younger professional, I'm leveraging my experience in those conversations. And you know, one of the things I think that was challenging for me was kind of understanding that that's a different type of experience or a different type of skill that I bring into the role. My boss, my manager, I guess the the head of HR, he's an engineer also. So he was really instrumental in helping me in this journey to help realize that just because I don't have 13 years of HR experience, I have a different type of experience that I bring to the role that is also valuable. You know, I don't know that I could have gone through this journey without his help in understanding that because it's a hard thing to go from being maybe an expert is a good word. You know, I was at the point in my career where I had a lot of knowledge. I had a lot of experience. I felt comfortable making decisions. I felt comfortable directing and doing things. And then I kind of transitioned and I felt like I was almost like a like an entry level professional again. And now all of a sudden I'm like questioning everything. Like, should I do this? Should I do that? And uh, Dave, who I'm talking about, he really helped me to realize like that experience you have, use it, lean into it. Don't be afraid of it. It's why we think you're a good fit for this role. In any walk of life, in any job you do, I think the more you can connect or put yourself in the shoes of the people you're working with, it's just a better experience for all people involved. And so your ability to do that, obviously, is kind of unrivaled in this role because like you said, you've been in their shoes, you've been at Dewberry in their shoes. So it's easier for you, like you said, to probably think about that and lean on that without even really thinking about it. It's like kind of second nature for you because that's kind of what your career was. So I can see why your team members in HR would be really happy to have someone that can do that. Similar things happen to me at EMI, like when a company might hire us to do some project management training or learning and development programs, they love the fact that their learning and development team may not have an engineer on it, so they might help us with the program. But the fact that someone like myself or our instructors who are usually licensed professional engineers are giving the program, they see that as a big benefit in terms of relating to the people that are going through the program. And so I think it is a big benefit in one's career. So that being said, when you go through a transition like this in your career where you're going really from one distinct profession, if you will, to another, there's obviously going to be challenges that you run into along the way. So talk about some of the maybe challenges or that you faced in this transition and how you were able to kind of work through them. I think the biggest challenge was more of a personal challenge to convince myself that I wasn't giving up what I had previously done, that I was just leveraging that into a new journey, a new experience. So that was hard at first to realize like you went to school, you got this, you got your PE, you studied, you worked. Are you really going to try something new? And again, it really came down to this mindset. I'm not trying something new. I'm still working with engineers. I'm still in the company and I'm just leveraging that knowledge and experience in a different way. The other challenging, I'll say more kind of tactical side is that I stayed within the same company, which was great. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity. But it's, you know, when you go somewhere else, it's like two weeks and you're done. Everyone's like, get everything they need from you 
and then we're going to take it over. Because I was still there, the transition was, in some ways still is, a very long one because I'm still involved with certain projects and this and that. So like it wasn't overnight. I just went from being a project manager and a department manager or assistant department manager to HR manager. So some of the roles and responsibilities were easy to transition. Other ones, they were just so intertwined and complicated that like I'm still involved and I don't mind it. Honestly, I like being somewhat connected back to the engineering in a way. There are certain projects that I'll be glad when they're finally done. It definitely wasn't easy to navigate that, especially early on where I was still kind of living in, you know, I had a foot in both pools and it was hard. I felt like I was being pulled a little in both directions. Obviously now it's, it's not like that. I just have a few minor projects that I kind of, I would say consult on more than anything else, just kind of guide some of the younger or now up and coming staff that are taking over those responsibilities for me, which is great. And that was another mindset shift that I needed to realize that by doing this, it was really hard for me to tell a lot of people, especially some of the younger staff, my mentor, as well as some of the people that I was mentoring that I'm not going to be in this capacity anymore. And I was trying to rationalize that in my head and you know, I'll still be there. I'll be able to advocate for them in a different way, but more so that I'm opening an opportunity. So there were people that got to move up into new roles because I stepped out of the way. Now, I'm sure there was some pain because when somebody leaves, you got to backfill and whatnot. But I do think it did create some opportunities for some of those younger staff that I was helping to kind of bring up. So now looking backward, I'm glad that they're getting the opportunities they're getting. But again, it just, it was hard. It was hard to have those conversations and it was hard to tell people that my journey is not what you guys expected it to be. And I think that's one of the things about career planning in general is trying to get the individual, in this case myself, to understand that it's my career, it's my journey, it's not my bosses, it's not my spouses, it's not my parents. You know, if this was right for me, it was right for me. And and I preach it all the time now. It was hard to go through. It was hard to really, you know, live it, but I'm glad I did and I'm really happy where I am now. So sometimes it's just hard to make a change like that. A lot of times when you do something like that, your biggest challenge to overcome is yourself, quite frankly, right? Like these limiting beliefs you might have, the doubts you might have, like you said, am I giving up everything? I, I got these degrees, I've got the license, or you know, I did all this work. But I think at the end of the day, you have to just realize, especially in Matt's situation, the same for me is that I'm still going to use all that knowledge. I'm still going to be in the industry. I may not just be physically doing engineering anymore, but because I have that knowledge, I'm going to be able to help people potentially in other ways. So I think if you're a civil engineer listening and you want to maybe stay in the industry, but you want to do something maybe completely different, you're not really going to be like leaving that those skill sets, experience, and knowledge behind. You're just kind of going to be leveraging them, I would say, in a different way to achieve a different result than if you're doing projects, basically. Absolutely. If there are people listening out there and they're maybe thinking about transitioning into HR from a technical field, let's say, based on now that you've kind of been through this, what is some advice that you can share with them? Look for opportunities to engage in the types of ideas or concepts or whatnot that you're interested in, right? So for instance, it wasn't like one day I said, I want to be an HR. It was these distinct opportunities that I raised my hand for. In some cases, I kind of created that allowed me to understand that I really enjoy this type of work. So for instance, a few that come to mind, like I said, mentorship. So throughout my journey at Dewberry, I was very active in first building or helping to build and launch kind of like a local mentorship program boots on the ground in my office. And then when the opportunity came up to kind of leverage that to a higher level, I got involved at a strategic level for the company. And again, this was all before I was in HR. So it was just my interest in mentorship 
And through that, I got to work with the HR team and get to know everybody, start to feel like this feels good. This is something I'm interested in. Similarly, with like knowledge management and and career planning things, I would kind of raise my hand or get involved in, I'll call them extracurriculars because that, you know, I think everyone knows like there's your your 40 hour engineering job and then there's all the other stuff that you want to do, whether it's professional side is this and that. And those were the type of things I would engage in. And I just, it started to feel right. It started to just feel like a good natural fit. So I don't know that anyone should just quit engineering and dive into HR overnight. I think you need to dip a toe in the pool and slowly wade your way in and start to say like, is this working? Is my perception reality here? And in my case, it took a while, but I started to realize, yes, it, it is. This is what I want to do. This is really interesting. This is ultimately where I want to see myself going. But I think if I would have just five years in quit engineering and jumped in HR, I probably would have drowned. You know, I would have dived into the deep end and been like, oh my goodness, this is overwhelming. I'm going to go back to being an engineer. So I think it was that that slow wading in that really helped me to come to this realization. It's not something that's going to be sudden or drastic and probably shouldn't be, quite frankly. And in fact, if there's a way for you to try something in your career always, you know, without committing 100% to it, it's always a good approach if your company will allow you that. And I think a lot of companies might be open to it. I think what I've found in our industry right now is companies are interested in keeping good people in their company, right? So if you might want to do something a little bit different, they may, you know, flex with you, let you try it a little bit a couple of days a week or, you know, a couple hours a week here and there. And that'll give you the opportunity to feel it out, let them see how you do with it. And kind of, it could be a really good way to try something out. But I think also kind of going back to what Matt has said a few times now is it's really about like learning about what you enjoy doing most. Like Matt identified people tasks, you know, working with people, those types of things and felt that ultimately the HR capacity was what was going to allow him to do those things that he liked the most essentially. So it could be something that could take years to happen. Like as you're growing as an engineer, you're just seeing like what I like. I like this. I like that project a lot. I like to working with those people, whatever the case may be. And you're just kind of building up a portfolio of kind of things you like to do. So as you grow in your career, you could select positions even within your own firm that line up the most with those types of things. I think it's really like just keeping track of those things really, you know? I would say a lot of that comes back to career planning too, being intentional, having a it works for each individual, but in, in my sense, somewhat of a formal plan to identify opportunities and see what works and see what doesn't. Because sometimes I think we just get so caught up in the day-to-day that it's easy to miss an opportunity right in front of your face because you didn't see it as an opportunity, right? So I think what you just described to me is a huge endorsement for career planning and trying to identify opportunities and see what works, see what doesn't, and understand that your career is not this kind of finite point in time. It's the journey getting to those points. And understanding along that journey, what's working for you, what's not. And then if you need to move some of the points along the way, that's easy. But once you're there, it's harder to autocorrect where you've already been. Matt, you mentioned professional societies before. I know it's always been something that has been important to you. That's in fact, I think that's how we met through the ACEC way back. Talk about professional societies in terms of your career, specifically also around like your transition. Like, have you changed the societies you're involved in now that you're more in HR? Just talk about how they've impacted you in your career, especially through everything you've been through. Yeah, I mean, it's been a major factor in my journey on the engineering side, as well as now on the HR side. And for me, the best advice I think I could give to somebody is you got to find what works for you. Don't let your company or your boss say, you got to enroll in society because you're a civil engineer or whatnot. I think you got to find what fits your interest. If you're more interested in technical, find a technical society. If you're more interested in 
kind of networking and uh, maybe the law and like the advocacy side, find one that works there. Maybe it's not even civil. Maybe you're interested in design build or something. So you got to find what works for you. And for me, that was the key. When I first came out of school and I joined society, I'd go to the dinners and I just felt like I wasn't connecting with anyone. I was sitting at the table with all do very people. And that was great. It was fun. I could do this in the office. And it wasn't until an opportunity came up that it was an ACDC breakfast and somebody in the office had registered, couldn't go. And they, it was like a last minute email. Can anyone take this seat? And I was like, I'll go. So I went and the first time I walked in that room, and I was a pretty outgoing person. The first time I walked in that room, I was terrified. I mean, everyone had 30 years of experience on me. They all knew each other. It was like, you know, hand on the shoulder. And I just remember thinking, this is terrifying. But in a way, it forced me outside my comfort zone. I had to meet new people. I didn't have the Dewberry folks that I was comfortable with sitting next to me to shield me. And that first one, you know, I walked away maybe with two or three contacts. And then I went back again and I went back again. And next thing I knew, I really was getting to know everyone. And for somebody that only worked for the same company for my whole career at that point, it was the only way I was starting to build connections out within the engineering community. And through that, I leveraged it into committee chairs. I, I was able to chair the professional committee, which was a game changer because that opened the door to meet clients and just so many different people and develop so many relationships. And, you know, for me, everything comes down to two things, opportunity and networking. So, you know, what are the opportunities? What's the opportunity cost of doing it and not doing it? You know, how can I build my network from this opportunity? And professional society really checked both boxes. One of the ways I'm still involved, I mean, I'm still very involved in ACEC, but now it's just from a different front. So I'm actually, now I sit on an HR committee for ACEC New York I'm working, I'm trying to get more of that into New Jersey, my home state in New Jersey as well. So hopefully more to come on that. But it's been so instrumental to my career and to developing the relationships and the opportunities that I've gotten that everybody should at least give it a shot, at least try it, go and and not just one, maybe three shots, go a few times and give it the old college try, I guess, before you just say it's not for me. I've been told this by many, many people, and I'll say it again. I probably said it 50 times on the podcast. It's not about just joining a professional society. Once you can get active on a committee, from what I've been told from people, that's when the real kind of magic starts to happen, if you will, because then you're engaged in something, you have a mission with other people that you don't know, and you're working with them, you're building those relationships. You probably will get the opportunity to maybe speak in front of people, which could be helpful in your career. So joining a professional society, whichever one you choose, to Matt's point, is going to be valuable, but it's going to be even more valuable the more you can be actively engaged and involved in it. So that would kind of be, and I think Matt, from all your experiences, it sounds like that would be true as well. Yeah, I think you get out what you put in, right? So if you just go to a dinner once a month and you sit there, you're not going to get much out. It's when you start engaging, like you said, that's when you really start to see the value, the benefit from your investment. I couldn't agree more. We're both civil engineers that don't do civil engineering anymore. <laughs> I'm doing training and podcasting. You're involved heavily in HR. I know for me, sometimes I feel like I could open up AutoCAD and do some grading and drainage and stormwater. Do you ever kind of, you know, miss the engineering or the technical field? And is there are there any ways that you still get involved in any capacity, whether it's the consulting role, like you said before? You know, it's funny. I would say that's the number one question people ask me when they hear about, oh my goodness, you have from engineering to HR. Don't you miss it? I'll say a few things. One, and it's not like I work at HR in like a car company, right? I still work in a, an engineering company. So a lot of the topics that come up, a lot of the issues, even just, you know, when you talk about morale engagement, you got to think like an engineer, right? How do we engage engineers, boost morale for engineers? 
So there's still a touch, but the really highly technical stuff, the way I like to try to stay connected, it's harder and it gets harder and harder every day is to encourage the younger, uh, less experienced individuals that I was mentoring to still come to me when they have questions. You know, it's not like overnight, my 13 years, not like that much time, but it's not like all that, that knowledge just went in the garbage. I still have it. So there are still a few of the people that I work with that they'll still come to me and ask me technical questions. And I, they're like, I don't want to bother you. I'm like, you're not bothering me. Hey, I'm so excited to talk about this right now. In any journey, depending on where you go, if you're going to move up and you're not going to be on a purely technical path, right? Maybe you're going to go more client management. Maybe you're going to go more operational management. There's comes a point in your journey where you're not doing technical stuff anymore. Maybe you're overlooking a set of plans from a QC perspective or something. But a lot of times, once you hit a certain level, you're not opening AutoCAD. You're not writing an Excel spreadsheet. So I think for me, I was getting to that point where within the next X amount of years, my technical involvement in things was going to slowly start to dwindle anyway. And I would have had more involvement for sure in the overall projects and the conversations. This is no doubt, you know, if you stay on that side of the house, but the purely technical stuff, I feel pretty okay where, where I got in my career, what I've done. I've designed a lot of really cool projects, bridges, things, and no one could take that away from me. And if I don't design another one, I don't think I'd be upset what the future brings for me in terms of like, do I do this for a few years and see where things go? Do I get more back involved in the operational side of, of engineering? I don't know. Right now I'm really enjoying it. I love what I'm learning. I love where it's taking me, but I don't know that I'll ever go back to the purely technical side. And I don't know that I'll really miss it. You make a really good point in that most engineers, a majority of them are not going to be doing technical work when they get to a certain, that fork in the road, if you will, that everyone talks about where you kind of go into management. So really for you, you were probably been pretty much there anyway, and you have the ability to still do some mentoring and things of that nature, as you said, which can still kind of keep you plugged into it, which I think is great. And the same for me, I feel like I'm around civil engineers a lot. We do work with them. That's very beneficial and uh, it's a really good way to look at it. So last question I have in this segment before we dive into our hot seat segment, any last pieces of advice that you have on transitioning and it doesn't have to be from engineering to HR, but just generally speaking, if someone's making a transition in their career from your whole experience, what last piece of advice can you share on the whole idea of transitioning? The biggest thing I could encourage people to do is be intentional, right? So I use the word career planning. I probably said it 10 times today. What I really mean by that is go through the process of trying to understand what it is you want out of your career, right? Like what makes you happy? What gives you meaning? What are the things that you enjoy doing and what are the things you don't? And just because you don't enjoy doing it doesn't mean you're never going to do it, right? That even in my new role, there are things I don't enjoy doing, trust me. But you need to make sure that at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the year, that you feel like you're making a difference, that you're making an impact or that you know, you're know you enjoying what you're doing. You're smiling more than you're frowning. You want to go to work more than you don't want to go to work. And the process of planning, of career planning, of going through a SWOT analysis, of identifying opportunities, of setting actionable things for yourself is the only way you're going to see change. And, you know, I'm talking about personal career planning, but that's true with anything. You're right. We're talking to the uh, guru in project management here. You're not going to be able to manage a project effectively if you don't plan. And there's no difference in a career. If you don't properly plan your career, then you're going to end up where you end up. And it's probably not where you want to end up. It's going to be wherever the current takes you. I've kind of tried to make my career mission, which is 
a lot of times engineers and technical professionals, we get so caught up in our engineering projects, we forget about our the biggest project, our own career. And before you know it, you're going to look up and say, man, I've been here for 10, 15, 20 years, and I don't know if I still really like what I'm doing and where I'm ended up. So I think to Matt's point, if you're constantly just checking in with yourself, on, am I at where I'm, I want to be in my career? You know, it's funny. I did an interview recently with um, Doug Teeger, who's an architect, actually. He came on the Civil Podcast, talked about work-life balance and like creating the career kind of you want. And he said something that I thought was really great, which is a lot of times people have this mentality in their career that I'll be happy when, when I get to manager, when I get my license, when I get to partner, but you don't want to have that. You want to be happy now, constantly checking in on yourself. Am I doing what I like to be doing? If I'm not doing it, how can I change that? The change may not happen overnight, like Matt said a bunch of times today, but the change can't happen at all unless you're starting to move in the right direction. So that's a good place for us to wrap up this segment because we're going to come back in just a minute with Matt and we're going to put him on the civil engineering career hot seat and just rattle him with a couple of last career pathing relating questions. We'll be right back. Civil engineering podcast. Civil engineering podcast. Before we go on here, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Tensar International. Here's a message from Tensar about their award-winning software, Tensar Plus, which is available to you at no cost. Check out Tensar Plus, the award-winning design software for construction professionals to design with geosynthetics and calculate their value on projects. Tensar Plus is simple to use with a powerful engineering system at its core. It leverages our decades of research and experience with soils all over the world, so you can count on your solutions working the first time, even in the most difficult conditions. Whether you're designing a crane pad or need to build a temporary road over muck, the cost, time, and carbon savings can be calculated, making comparison with alternatives simple. Specs, reports, and product data can be generated for your design, and Training resources, research, and our third-party expert reviews are all provided conveniently in the software if needed. Usable both online and offline, the app is available in browser and on all major mobile platforms. Whatever you're working on, Tensar Plus is your toolbox for success. All right, I'm back with Matt Album. Matt is a licensed professional engineer and also regional human resources manager at Dewberry. He's taken some time today to talk a little bit about his career transition and also career transitions in general. So Matt, now it's time for the career hot seat. You ready? I think so. First question, do you have any specific rituals that you practice every day, whether it's a morning routine or a lunchtime routine or just something that you do consistently on a daily basis that has contributed to your success? There's probably two things. The first thing I do before I start my day, I like to check my schedule in the morning. It really impacts what mindset I'm going to be in. So like what type of meetings do I need to wear a tie? Am I in an office? Am I working from home? Whatnot? And I start to kind of set my headspace for the day and what type of day it's going to be. Is it going to be a heads down, get things done? Is it going to be a lot of meetings? And that really helps me to kind of prepare myself for the day. And the other thing, and maybe this is not a popular response, but I like to at least check my inbox. I need to know that I've seen every email. Now I don't respond to them. And my trick is if I read it and I'm not going to actually do anything with it. I'll, I'll mark it as unread, but I need to know that I've seen everything because I'm always worried that I'm going to miss something urgent that needs to be addressed immediately. So the beginning of the day, I like to get my head right. And at the end of the day, I like to just do a quick skim and make sure that there's nothing on fire. Is there either a book or an author or a philosophy 
that you have found to be helpful in your professional development or your career so far? I know that there could be multiple, but something that stands out for you. I guess philosophy-wise, I kind of live my life by this idea that if it was easy, everyone would do it, meaning that like the best things in life are going to be hard and they're going to be challenging and you got to be kind of ready to, I hate to say suffered, but to be uncomfortable. I run and bike and you know, really in all of those things, you need to be willing to suffer a little bit to see gains. But if I had to say a book, my favorite types of books are biographies or autobiographies. I love reading about leaders that have changed the world and done amazing things through adversity. And uh, most recently I read, it was a three-part book on Teddy Roosevelt. It was just, it was awesome to really get to see what he went through and how he became a pretty successful leader. So any biography, I've read probably hundreds at this point. Thinking back on some of your managers in the past, you know, whether it was in engineering or in HR, and you don't have to name names, but what made your favorite managers your favorite? And the reason I ask this question is because we're always trying to understand, you know, what makes for great managers in our industry. What are the things that you remember about those special managers? What it really came down to for me and still does is when I feel that they have my best interests. In at heart, I don't know what the right way to say it is, but that what they're encouraging for me, it's not for them, it's for me. And I've been very lucky. I've had amazing managers slash mentors through both my engineering side. I wouldn't be where I am without my mentor on the engineering side. And I certainly wouldn't be where I am without my mentor on the HR side now. And I've had a lot of different guidance along the years too. But I think it's just when I'm engaged with them and I'm talking with them, I know that they want what's best for me. And it's a game changer when you know that versus when you're questioning if there are ulterior motives or they're just worried about what's best for the bottom line or something like that. Even at the firm level, when we work with firms and we're building like professional development programs and career paths for them, the reason that I think that's really important is because when an individual knows that their company cares about their long-term success and their career, right? Like, and they have that in their minds, then that's going to make someone want to stay at a company. And we know in today's world with retention, that's a, a critical, critical factor. So I've got one question for you. We call it the civil engineering career elevator advice question. So if you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and you had 30 to 40 seconds with him or her, you had to give them some career advice in 30 to 40 seconds. Let's say they're probably in the more beginning stages of their career. What advice would you share with them in that short period of time? Sure, I think I would really lean into this idea of be open to opportunities. And a lot of times, you know, people are waiting for that shining billboard with the bright flashing lights, like this is your opportunity. And, and so many times that's not it. That's not the opportunity that's going to change their career. It's volunteering for something. It's being part of a professional society. It's maybe getting involved in your local emerging professional group in your office or going to do a trash cleanup on a Saturday with a bunch of people from your company. You got to read between the lines when it comes to opportunities. And they, you know, the things that are what you think are obvious are probably not going to be that big of a change, but the ones that are less obvious could kind of be this tidal wave that you ride along the journey. So be open to what an opportunity might look like and be willing to take it when it comes. People say a lot that opportunities will come your way in your career, and that may be true, but I've also found, to Matt's point, you need to keep your eyes open, you need to look for them, and then you need to kind of grab onto them when you see them, which is not always that easy to do. So great advice there. Well, Matt, listen, we appreciate you spending some time with us here on the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about transitioning and sharing some advice. Thanks for having me.
I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Matt. It truly was unique in that I've done a lot of podcast interviews, but I haven't run into a civil engineer who has transitioned into human resources. And Matt has really done that and done it well. And he also offered advice, of course, that's very relevant to general career transitions for engineers as well. Before we wrap up, I want to remind you that if you're looking for people leadership or project management development within your organization, if your leaders need to be better equipped to interact with and lead people or more equipped to lead big projects, then give us a call because we put together custom programs. We also have general programs. 800-920-4007. That's 800-920-4007. You can also visit our website at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org so we can help you build a program that can change the game for you and help you to recruit better, develop better, and retain better. Remember, you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. And until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.